I'm Michelle Shoemate, and this is Networks for Social Impact, a podcast from the Network for Nonprofit and Social Impact at Northwestern University. Stick around to hear research insights on how organizations working together can and do move the needle on the most pressing social issues of our time. Today on the podcast, I'm thrilled to be kicking off a series based on our research reports, Networks for Social Impact in Education. This mini-series is designed to really highlight some of the exemplary networks that we feature in that research and for you to hear in the leader's own words what it means for them to design and manage networks in order to move the needle on social issues. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Monica Chavez Silva of the Grinnell Campaign for Grade Level Reading. The thing that I really appreciate about the Grinnell Campaign for Grade Level Reading is that they are emblematic of this recipe we talk about in the research reports. We say that one of the ways that sometimes networks achieve a social impact, which we measure as grades above or getting results above what you would expect in fourth grade reading, eighth grade reading, and high school graduation, of which the Grinnell Campaign for Grade Level Reading is one of the few networks who excelled in all three metrics, um, is the pathway of projects and decentralized governance. And particularly, this worked well in communities where there was um, not community poverty. So these are not impoverished communities, but they're also not large communities. And Grinnell, Iowa is a great example of this. As you'll hear in this discussion, Monica talks about what it's like to put together a network in a rural community. Um, What are some of the barriers and what are some of the really unique opportunities that you have when you're a leader in these types of communities? Um, And you'll also hear about the unique way that they've used AmeriCorps um, positions in order to build the capacity of organizations and even the school district in Grinnell. So I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from this conversation. I've been a fan of Monica's and continue to learn from her as well. Um, And they really are one of the networks um, that we study who's making an impact when it comes to education. So let's tune in. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Monica Chavez-Silva to the show. Um, Monica is from the Grinnell Campaign for Grade Level Reading, and is uh, one, which is one of the eight successful networks that we feature in the Networks for Social Impact in Education research series. So welcome to the show, Monica. Thank you. Appreciate being here. So to jump right in, tell me more about Grinnell, Iowa. What is the town like? Where are you situated? Um, help provide a context for us. Sure thing. So Grinnell, Iowa is a small rural community in central Iowa. We are just off of Interstate 80, which is, you know, the main interstate that runs through the state. Uh, We're equidistant between two metro areas, Des Moines and Iowa City. We're about an hour from each, so easy to get, you know, either direction. 
the the t-shirts from the from the bookstore at the college they were conveniently located between new york and los angeles so that's handy <laughs> as well um it is a small rural community we have a few large employers Bernal college where i work is one of those um so a small in some ways three elementary schools one middle school one high school so everybody goes to school together you know kids play on the same sports teams together yet in some ways very diverse 62 languages spoken you know at the college and therefore in the community so so a lot of diversity um yet a lot of togetherness as well mm -hmm. excellent and so how did the Grand Grinnell campaign for grade level reading get started? Were you part of that original team? And really, what was the impetus behind that? Um, so Grinnell had learned about the campaign for grade level reading from some other Iowa communities that had been earlier adopters. And we first became affiliated in 2015. So I'm guessing it was a few years before that, that, that a few of the other communities um, had participated. We learned about the whole campaign through our affiliation with the Iowa Council of Foundations because there were other funders across the state who were involved in the network and were, were bringing this work to the larger network. Um, so it was, it was through that um, exposure that, that our community learned about the campaign. And it seemed like it might be an interesting fit. Um, so we had, we had speakers from the campaign and, and from other communities come and talk to a large group of um, community organizations here in Grinnell to introduce us. And um, after that conversation, it sounded like it was a good fit. Um, I think people really appreciated that it wasn't about getting into the classrooms, you know, it was about respecting what educators do in the classrooms, um, but trying to figure out how we could be more um, creative and more aligned as other community organizations and supporting the, that work to help kids and families. Great. Thanks for sharing that. So one of the things that really stood out for us as we were looking at the, the campaign for grade level reading or Grinnell is that it really has a more decentralized structure in terms of the way that it's set up. So tell me a little bit about how decisions get made in the campaign for grade level reading. Um, who, how do ideas bubble up? How do you get organizations to work together? What kind of meeting structure or network structure do you have? Okay. Yeah. So let, let me talk a little bit about the structure and then I, I think that'll give some background for decision making on a variety of different levels. Um, so we, we're currently, I believe, in our sixth year, I believe we're in our sixth year of, of, of the Grinnell Education Partnership. So we're, we're a little more organized and tight in terms of, in terms of that organizational structure. Um, Grinnell College really serves as, I would say, like that backbone um, role, facilitators, um, main conveners of, of the work in the community. Um, and we do that in some ways kind of, kind of because of the capacity we have at the college in terms of staffing, in terms of administrative resources. Um, but we, we also share that, that sort of backbone collaborative facilitating decision making um, with our partners at the Community Foundation. So the Greater Powersheet Community Foundation is, is a partner in that. And when it comes to making decisions about how we operate, 
um, it's really those two organizations who are working together. Um, one of the main one of the main things that the college has brought to the table has been people power. So I talked about our administrative, you know, sort of capacity, um, but we've we've also were the main grant administrators for um, several AmeriCorps grants that we got concurrent uh, when with our affiliation with the campaign for grade level reading. So those two things kind of happened together and that those AmeriCorps members have really provided the people power behind Grinnell's effort since the very beginning. And it's taken various shapes and forms over the years, but one key component um, has been for those AmeriCorps members to add capacity within the community because we are so thin, these little, you know, nonprofit organizations are so thinly staffed, if they're staffed at all. Um, the role of the AmeriCorps member is to add capacity to be able to do some of the convening work, to be able to do some of the creative work. So, and, and you know, really roll up their sleeves. So these AmeriCorps members convene task force groups. I, I believe at this point we have about four or five task force groups within the community, um, each based around a certain theme. And they're really trying to advance work in that area. So the, the community stakeholders can provide input. The AmeriCorps members can really roll up their sleeves and, and help push that work forward. And it's those task force groups who are choosing individual projects for their, for their subject area within a given year. Um, now, annually, we convene. When I say we, again, that'll be the college together with the Community Foundation. Um, we convene an annual stakeholder um, meeting once a year. And it's at that time when everyone just kind of gets together and sets priorities or resets priorities for the next year. Um, so that's based on data. The school district has been, you know, just terrific in, in providing data for, for the group to look at. Um, it's based on experiences of like what worked and what didn't work so well in the previous year. And then just insights from people across the group. Um, you know, people can bring their own kind of lived experience to it. And this year, for instance, COVID was was a huge experience that we were all experiencing differently, and it was and it was really insightful um, for people to bring some of that learning to the table. So I'm curious about these task force groups. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, maybe one or two of them, and what kind of programs or or things are they doing? Good question. Um, I'll, I'll give two examples because. I think it was different in the beginning, and then this last year during during the pandemic has just been its its own sort of thing. Um, so one example that I think we've we're have been thrilled about um, was in the area of um, attendance. So following so following the tenets of the campaign for grade level reading, you know, you want to look at chronic absence. Um, so we were fortunate enough to have an AmeriCorps member at that time leading um, a, a, a task force of community stakeholders, um, probably educators, some volunteers. This was a few years ago, so I'm sure there are other people on the task force that I'm not remembering. Um, and this particular AmeriCorps member was a retired school principal 
who um, had been in the district for, for a long, long, long time, was super well respected and had done a lot of work with, um, with families, with all families, um, and, and close to his heart had been helping those kids um, from family situations that might have been having a harder time. Um, so a really good fit for that position. Um, with the task force, they developed a whole series of interventions to really support kids and families where they were, including trying to arrange transportation if someone missed the bus, um, developing some peer support by family to family um, and kid to kid. Um, and they they were really able to make impressive progress with with the absentee rates at the at the time. Um, it was so successful that the school district actually took that position and and brought it into the into the district as its own freestanding position. Um, and and so this work that the, that that work continues, but it's become sort of a sustained and sustainable within the school district. So you know that that's an example of something that that we thought that that's exactly what we were hoping to do, right? Use the catalyzing power of what's going on and the creativity and the 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 that extra capacity again to be able to try new things, do new things. Um, and if it works, be able to find a home for it within the community. Um, so, so there was that example. Um, fast forward to fast forward to this past year, and it's it's been very different. All of our AmeriCorps members have been working remotely, and have been working with stakeholder groups remotely. Which, have, which you know, more power to them. <laughs> They've come into new jobs, new responsibilities, and in some cases, new a new community, and have had to get to know people and try new things. Um, looking here, they, there's actually a really nice um, website and blog that they put together um, that highlights some of the work um, and thinking one that's one as an example. Um, one of the community members who was working on um, healthy readers um, really realized that mental health was a, was a priority um, together with, with you know, task force input, of course, particularly during the pandemic. Um, so this AmeriCorps member um, worked with the group together with the College Museum of Art and the library. Um, and um, started to put together art activity packs to provide that extra, you know, um, socio-emotional support for kids. Um, found additional funding for that. Um, it was supported by humanities funding through the college um, with some Mellon funding um, and has been getting these art activity packs and at not just the art activities, but also sort of interactive activities into the hands of kids across the community through this. Um, another AmeriCorps member in response to the pandemic um, pulled people together. I'm thinking in terms, you know, so that's a hands-on activity. We realized early on, as I'm sure many communities did, that not all of the families had access to internet service when everything was going remote online. Um, 
and she worked together. Her, her task force it was all about the skills gap. So this fit right into that when you talk about needs and gaps in, in access and opportunity. And um, working with a few different organizations in town, um, they were actually able to coordinate a deal with an internet provider who was able to give um, reduced rate access to some families, um, and they coordinated funding with another um, foundation in town who was able to help support that. Um, and so there were there were wireless hotspots that were given out um, throughout the community, and then also reduced rate um, subscriptions, I guess is what you'd call it, for, for internet access. So that continues today. And um, so lots and lots of, of different different kinds of projects um, really driven from people on the ground in different ways, uh, addressing mm -hmm. different needs. I, one of the things that really stands out for me as you're, you're, you're talking about this is the role of community members and volunteers and mm -hmm. individuals who are really on the front lines in these task forces. These aren't just the superintendent of school and your mayor and the, really the leaders of organizations. These are folks who have an idea of what the needs are because they can see it in the community. It's part of their experience. It's what they see every day at work if they're educators, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so I think that really stands out. How did you come, why did you choose to have really folks on the front lines and community members as part of these task forces? Um, why not just senior leaders of the organizations in town? Well, good question. So um, one of the things that we try to keep in mind as, at, at the college, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit, maybe I'll talk a little bit about our structure. So um, I oversee the college's community enhancement, engagement, um, and strategy areas. I was highly involved early on with the grant writing, <laughs> with the program design, together with our partners, and um, and some early program management. In recent times, I've kind of stepped away a little bit. My colleague who has been there also with me from the beginning, helping create this from the ground up, um, Melissa Strovers, is our Director of Collective Impact. And um, in this past year, when we have really stepped away um, I think I told you we we had been working to be grant administrators on these AmeriCorps grants. We realized that that was really a lot of administrative effort, and that and we learned over the years that there were partners in the state who are also overseeing AmeriCorps grants that we could partner with. So um, this has, this has also been our first year where we're partnering with other statewide agencies who are being the grant administrators. And so that's given us more time, Melissa and her colleague, Liz Hansen, who is a retired um, high school teacher, um, to really spend more time on people management. So I give you that background because when I say we, I really mean Melissa and Liz uh, as, as they're thinking about facilitating this work in the community. Um, so, so I think all of us, our, our, our team's approach has been that we really are not there to be the decision makers, we're there to be the facilitators, right? So when you say, ask about our choices to be on those task force groups, 
it really has been um, up to the AmeriCorps members to think about who they who could be most effective on their task force groups with a lot of encouragement probably from our team <laughs> to think about um, to think about diversity of voices, to think about diversity of experiences, to think about the kinds of people who can help make change, right? So, so exactly, different perspectives and, and people with different kinds of connections, um, I think is, is the guidance that they are, that they are offered. Um, and then they really get creative and have to, and have to think about what kinds of individuals in the community can, can, can help with that. That's fantastic. Um, and what a great use of the AmeriCorps program. I, I, I talked to a lot of networks who used AmeriCorps members for different things, but I think that you're one of the few I've seen who've used them to really facilitate the task forces where the work gets done and, and helping to facilitate the decision-making and, and choices around programs, which is really unique. So Grinnell is a great example of a small, how small rural communities can use the power of networks to improve educational outcomes. Most of the research that's out there has focused on large urban areas or focused on big school districts. So how does the context, being a rural community, how has that really changed your approach? What do you think about in terms of the campaign for grade level reading and Grinnell and how it might be different than some of what you see in some of these larger case studies out there, even who are using that approach? Well, well, that's, that's interesting. As, as we, um, one of the things that that's occurred to me over the years, we, we talk about work kind of in the anchor institution, you know, area and think about the role of anchor institutions in communities. And um, it's clear when we get together at those tables, um, everybody else really is, tends to be from large urban areas and in large institutions. Yet some of so many of our issues um, and so many of the things that we struggle with and challenges and, um, are, are very similar. So I, I think in some ways, you know, at, at, at the most fundamental level, there are some similarities. Um, when I was first thinking about this question, it occurred to me like, well, this is great. We're a small community and in so many ways it's easier to get to know people, right? So these AmeriCorps members, for instance, if they may not be so familiar with our community, there, there are networks in place that we can help facilitate with some of those connections, right? We, we can help make that easier. Um, and then the more we were thinking about this, the more I was thinking about this, it, I realized you know, there are also challenges with working in a small community as well. Um, and I can only imagine sort of working in a larger community. Well, that's, that's not entirely true. I, I, I did live in large urban areas before I came to Grinnell. Um, you know, when we are in a small environment, um, for better or worse, the people who are here are the people that you need to work with, right? Um, if if a partnership is having difficulties, um, or if, um, if there are interpersonal difficulties, you can't necessarily just quietly put it aside and and find another partner or organization that might that might work out better. Um, the the challenge is really to figure out how to make it work. Um, and and um, so I, I think there are pros and cons, um, and you know there are opportunities and challenges. Um, I, I do think that in in some ways, because 
we are a small community and we, you know, the opportunity is to work with the people who are here. Um, that also, when it's working well, really gives an opportunity for some ideas to shine and people to shine um, and sort of um, be stretched in ways um, that they might not otherwise have been. Um, and I, I, I've heard that from people who have participated in the program, who have really appreciated um, professional development, you know, and, and, and stretching and networking and growing and learning. And, um, and that's been an, an unintended consequence of this that I just think has been so, so very rich. Mm, wonderful. So I wonder, you know, someone listening to this podcast might be right now sitting in a rural community somewhere in the United States, and they're thinking, you know, I didn't think we had the the resources to put together a network. And now I'm inspired. What advice do you have for someone who's just starting out, um, looking back on the time from 2015 to now? Um, what are maybe some of the lessons learned? What are things that you would do again or maybe would have done differently? Mm. Um, well, we do something differently all the time. <laughs> no, no, no two years of this pro project have been the same. Every year we're learning, every year we're experimenting and evolving. And, and that's, that's part of what makes it, um, that's part of what makes it fun and interesting. And, um, that's just, that's just how it's going to go because, you know, there's always something to do differently. Um, I think one of the things that has been tremendously helpful for us from the very beginning has been our ability to rely on that campaign for grade level reading framework, right? So we could, from that, from day one, when people came in and talked about the campaign, we as a community could say, yes, we can get behind this. Yes, we uh, are um, invested in those principles, but we didn't need to debate amongst ourselves. So therefore, what are we going to focus on? Those focus areas were already defined. They were already um, um, research informed, and um, that that made it easy for us to to kind of follow that framework. Um, over time, um, we've we've adapted it and and learned how to be flexible according to our community's needs at a given moment. Um, so I'll, I'll give you an example, um, and I think that flexibility is important as well. So the combination of the framework and, and the willingness to be flexible for our own situation. Um, in this past year, of course, across the nation, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion issues have, have really risen to the front. Um, and with that in mind, we, we heard loud and clear from our community partners that um, it was important to do work in this area as a community. Um, and so one of our AmeriCorps members next year will be leading a task force group on, on equity and inclusion. So what is that going to be? We don't know. And what will the project priorities be? We don't know. But, but that, that combination of flexibility that based on that structure, I think, has been really helpful um, I think it's been really helpful to have the administrative resources and 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 sort of the support of both the college. You know, we are larger and we've got we've got more capacity, um, as well as the community foundation. So we had that organizational support to say, okay, um, we're we are willing and able to put in some of that some of that support behind behind the scenes. 
Um, and then I, I, you know, the more I think about it, we were talking about, you know, the resources and really valuing the resources across the community and, and within the community and, and really realizing that, um, or really being dedicated to the idea that the ideas and the knowledge um, resides within the community and that, you know, we are really here to facilitate. We, we've got a very strong team of project managers. We've got a very strong team of people managers, um, but we're not the experts. We're not the experts in education. We're not the experts in attendance. We're not the experts in, in any of these things. And that, and that really we need to, to rely on that, and that knowledge does exist within the community. And if you if you can give people the tools um, and the resources to be able to do something with the knowledge that they have and the ideas that they have, um, so far it's worked out really well for us. That's great. So, if people want to learn more about the Grinnell campaign for grade level reading, where can they go to find more information? Where can they follow up? Good question. I have just pulled up our website here. So uh, we are at GrinnellEducationPartnership.org. Um, and Grinnell is two N's and two L's. So GrinnellEducationPartnership.org. Um, and there's background information about the program, some examples of some of these project ideas. And I believe there's a Facebook link as well. They can follow us there as well. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today and telling us more. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Wasn't that a fantastic conversation? I really enjoyed learning from Monica, and I hope you did too. If you'd like to learn more about the networks for social impact that we feature in this research, go to our website, nnsi.northwestern.edu, and feel free to download a copy. And there you'll find details about all the networks that we feature in this research and more about the paths that lead to a social impact in education. <music>